0: 1 Corinthians, chapter one, verse one, here's what the word of God has to say. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and, uh, and our brother, Sophonies, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who are in every place, called upon, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ i give thanks to my god always for you because of the grace of god that has been given you in christ jesus that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you listened carefully this morning as I was reading that passage, it sounded like uh, sort of a, a greeting or a hello. And that's exactly right. So this is a letter that Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and these are the opening words. And like would you would, like you would begin a letter, Paul begins a letter. So he addresses the church. He, he identifies who he is, and so... Uh, he, he, there's, some, there, there's some dynamics of greeting here. Now, as you, if you read through the, the letter to the Corinthian church, Paul deals with some really difficult subjects and, and, and confronts the church on some really wicked sin. But before he gets into all of those things, he first begins with an encouraging word. In fact, he begins with sort of the, the baseline of who they are in Christ. There was trouble in the Corinthian church. But friends, that's nothing new, and it's certainly not anything that you and I aren't familiar with. There's trouble in the church today, amen? You and I are living in a uniquely Well, let me me rephrase that. We are living in a wicked day that is unique to us. Not in the course of history, but unique to us. There are things today that are being presented as good and wholesome, even for the consumption of children, that friends are absolutely vile, wicked, and horrific to consider. Make, listen, do not be confused on this. The wicked society around us, they're not targeting you and me as much as they are targeting the impressional minds and hearts of children. That's why the battleground so often centers around the schoolhouse and places where children are. It's a wicked day where things that are clearly sinful are held up as righteous and good And beautiful when they actually are wicked and ugly. But it gets worse. Many today who claim identity with the church have abandoned, even rejected the truth of God. This week, this past week, I went to a meeting, a public meeting in our community where many spoke on an issue of wickedness. And where there were many who stood up and, and, and spoke on account on of righteousness and a biblical understanding of truth, there were, there were equal number of those who stood up and celebrated debauchery and sexual perversion. And what really broke my heart amongst those who spoke that way is there was a significant number of them who identified themselves as Christians and members of a particular church in our community and said, our church equally celebrates this issue of sexual perversion. These are not good days. But I take some encouragement. Our day is not unlike the day that Paul was writing to when he wrote to the church there at Corinth. The city of Corinth was known for its debauchery. In fact, I mean, that was sort of its identity, its calling Corinth. To be called a Corinthian, was an insult indicating someone was morally loose. So the church in Corinth was living in a culture, in a societal context that was very similar to what you and I are living in today. And it's not a surprise to to appreciate that the culture in which they had lived in, some of which had found its way into the church as well. And so Paul was going to confront that. But before he deals with the issues of sin in the church, he first reminds the church of who they are and the blessings they enjoy. And so friends, that's what I want us to do today. I, listen, there is, there is ample subject matter for us to discuss of both the, the cultural wickedness in which we live in and the inroads that, those, that cultural wickedness has made within the church. But today I want to give our attention to the blessings of God that come from salvation because in a world where it seems like wickedness and sin is winning, it's important to remember that the battle really is already won. And the outcome is already determined. And our hope, our sustaining power, um, the one who preserves the church and you and I as believers is, is still on his throne and is not shaken. Amen. So, let me give you the three things that I want you to see out of this passage and then we'll walk through them individually. Number 1. If you are a Christian today, you are a sanctified saint of God. Now, us Baptists, us Protestants, us evangelicals, we don't use the word saint very often. We we typically give that term over to the Catholics, but saint is a biblical term meaning those who have been redeemed and called out by God. So if you're a believer today, two things you are a saint and you are a sanctified believer and being sanctified by the power of God. So Paul begins with listen, in Christ you are saints, sanctified by Christ. Number two, you're under grace. Oh, praise God, you are under grace. The older I get, The longer I walk with Jesus, the sweeter and sweeter the grace of God is to me. Do you know why? Because the older I get and the longer I walk with Jesus, the more aware I am of my own sin. And the more aware you are of your own sin, the more precious the grace of God is to you. And then lastly, I love this one, the church and every believer is sustained by God's faithfulness. The church, believers, the testimony of the gospel is not dependent upon the ingenuity, the tenacity, the ability of the church and the people within it. God's truth and the gospel testimony will remain until Jesus comes back by the faithfulness and the power of the living God, Jesus. He preserves the church. He sustains the testimony of the gospel, and so we are sustained by by God's faithfulness. But let's begin with saints of God. I would just draw your attention back to verse two. So Paul begins with a greeting, and then he says, so he's addressing who he's writing to, and he says in verse two, to the church of God, that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who are in every place, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their lord and ours so a couple of things here first of all he says that they were called in other words if you're a saint if you were being sanctified by by christ and what it begins with is you have been called by god now calling is a word we often use in in church but the, the, the greek word for for church includes this actually this idea of calling so the greek word for church is ecclesia. And it's really two words stuck together, and it means those who've been called out. The egg part is the out, the, 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 the second part of the word, the call, is, is the, the call, so you've been, if you're a part of the church of God, you are the, the group of those who've been called out. Paul uses the word call here to reference to himself um, and, and the Christians at Corinth. The idea behind this word is that it is, it is first the action of God working for and on us. You don't call yourself. God calls you out of the wicked perversion of this world into his truth and the righteousness of his salvation. God is the one who calls. God is the one who acts on our lives to, 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 uh, to respond to his will. The point that Paul is making is that his role as an apostle is first because of the calling of God and the salvation of those in the church is first because of the calling of God. Now, this is one of those foundational truths that I think is that if you don't understand this, then everything else doesn't really make sense. If you come to saving knowledge in Jesus, you don't do so because you are smart enough to understand it. If you come to saving knowledge in Jesus, it's not because you worked hard enough to deserve it. If you come to saving knowledge in Jesus, it is only because of the grace of God that acted upon you to call you out of this wicked, perverse generation. The Christians in the church at Corinth are saints of God, not because they deserve it or even because of their uh, because their behavior is worthy of it. They are saints of God because. God called them out of this perverse generation. Paul wanted to remind the the church of the work of salvation that they had been set apart for the glory of God. And in reminding them, he is also making the case that what has set them apart for God's glory should have no fellowship with sin and wickedness. So if you're the called out ones, you've been separated from the wicked, perverse generation around us. Now, Paul says that you are called of of God. But he also says that you are sanctified in Christ. Paul is writing to confront the church on many issues of sin, and he will get to those issues of sin later in his his letter. The, the, The city of Corinth was well known for sexual perversion and rampant sin. In fact, it would be similar to our opinion of Las Vegas, right? You've heard the phrase, what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. That's a lie, dear friends. Whatever happens in Las Vegas will follow you home, amen? Amen. But you can understand that dynamic. We understand Las Vegas is a sin city. You don't go there for Bible study generally. You go there for other things. Corinth was a city like that that celebrated, identified with sexual perversion and other things. The church at Corinth was struggling with sin, the sin of the city being a part of the lives of the Christians in the church. There were some nasty, perverted things that were happening amongst the believers in the church at Corinth. But before Paul deals with these issues of sin, he reminds them that because they've been called out, they've also been sanctified in Christ. That word sanctified means to, 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 uh, to dedicate to the service and to the loyalty of to deity, to, to concentrate, to, to concentrate, to dedicate to God, to dedicate, to, to be given over completely to him. Now, This is not a work done by the, by the Christian. This is a work done by Jesus. Be, be careful to understand this significance. Sanctification is not moral action on the part of man, but a divine effective state by the power of God. Amen. Listen to me carefully. You are, if you're a Christian today, you are being sanctified, which means... Your testimony ought to be that you're not struggling with the same sin that you struggled with yesterday, the day before, the year before. Now, it, it likely is that God's still dealing with you about sin today, but sanctification work is that he's, God is making you more holy and more like him day by day, year by year. That is not a work that is done by you. That is a work that is done by God working in you. He called you out to sanctify you. And then one other thing when we talk about The saints of God. We are unified under the Lordship of Jesus. Notice what he says there, right at the end of verse 2. With all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Wherever there is sin, there is disunity. But wherever there is salvation, there there is unity in Christ even with those who are far off, different culture, different place they live. Paul reminds the church that the same God who calls and sanctifies them also unites them with every other believer. This unity is not just for the church in Corinth, but for all those who call upon the name of the Lord. Now I want to, not to stir up things, but I want to be very clear here. Paul is saying that under Christ, those who have been called out and sanctified, sanctified have unity with all those who are under the lordship of Jesus. How do you know if you're under the lordship of Jesus? Well, if you're under the lordship of Jesus, you have surrendered your life to the authority of God, testified to in his word. And that meeting that I was in this week with those claiming to be Christians and, and celebrating their church membership but while at the same time celebrating their abandonment and rejection of God's truth, I have no fellowship with them. Not because I don't like them as people, but because they do not serve the same Lord that I serve. They're not under the same authority that I'm under. They're claiming identity with one that they have rejected. Therefore, we're not unified just because we all say, let's be, let's be happy and nice to one another. We're unified under the Lordship of Jesus, Those who are called out and sanctified are unified under the lordship of Jesus. Now, number two. In verse four, five, and six, Paul turns his attention to grace, which is an appropriate subject matter if you're about to drop the hammer on them about the issues of sin in their life, right? So look with me in the passage. In verse four, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you. Why? Because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you are enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. A Couple of things about grace here. Number one, we have first and foremost grace in salvation. The word grace takes prominence here as Paul addresses the church and offers a prayer for them. For those who have known the salvation of Jesus, grace permeates everything and every relationship. And so Paul reminds with clarity that the salvation of the saints at Corinth was from the grace of Jesus. Their salvation is not from their worth, and their salvation is not from their work. Their salvation was only from the grace of God. This is true for all those who come to know salvation. The knowledge of grace transforms our relationship with one another when we respond to one another with grace that God has first shown to us. No one can come to salvation without grace, and all those who have been saved will be saved only by grace. That's why, friends, we celebrate the the sureness of God's salvation Because you didn't earn it. See, if you earned it, you can lose it. If you attained it, you can put it away. But if God called you out of his grace and saved you according to his grace, dear friends, that's secure in his power and his might. We're under grace in salvation, but we're also under grace in blessing. Look at verse 5 where he says, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. Not only has God shown grace to the saints through salvation, but God has also shown grace through the pouring out of his many blessings on them. So Paul says in verse five, in everything you were enriched in him. Every every area of your life was blessed through and by the grace of God. No one deserves salvation. If God only had, had only given us the gift of salvation and nothing else, that would be amazing grace all by itself. But God's grace is overwhelming in that he not only saves, but he also blesses, and he also equips, and he also empowers. Through grace, God pours out his blessing on every believer that they might be a testimony to the glory of his name. So we have grace in, tes- in our salvation. We have grace in blessing. Therefore, we also have grace in testimony. That's why he says in the, in, in the second part there, verse um, uh, six and seven, as, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a truth here that God does everything for his glory. So, When you think about your salvation, you were saved for the glory of God. You are blessed, enriched, provided for, for the glory of God. Whatever gifts and talents and abilities you have, God gave them to you for the glory of God. One of the maladies of our current cultural context is we see everything focused on me and mine. So whatever I have is for my advancement and and, and my pursuit and my success, but from the biblical point of view, everything you have is not for you, it's for God's glory. The salvation of the saints is for the glory of God. The pouring out of God's grace is for the glory of God. The the blessing of the saints is for the glory of God. The word that Paul uses is, is translated confirmed. It means to call something to be known as certain. By God's grace, God is working in every believer to bear a testimony that confirms and verifies the truth of the gospel. This is work of grace, not by the power or effort of the saints, but by the power and the effort of God. God is working in you, blessing you, empowering you, providing for you the testimony of his glory. One other thing, and for me, this is the most encouraging of the entire passage. Look in verse eight and nine with me. So in the last part of verse seven, he says, for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. Oh, thank you, Lord. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. A couple of things here about the faithfulness of God. First, God will be faithful to provide. I've said many times already that in the following verses and chapters, Paul would would get to the troubling issues that the church was dealing with. But before he does that, he wants to affirm that the saints lack nothing from the blessing of God. God's withheld no blessing from them. The troubles of the church flow singularly from sin and rebellion. Paul reminds the Corinthians that God has and will continue to be faithful to provide everything they need to fulfill their calling. Now, I think this is both a truth that is challenging and liberating. You see, we often respond to the task of ministry with a sense of being overwhelmed. Listen, as a pastor, I see it on your faces. When I preach about evangelism and how you ought to be sharing the gospel, I see that sense of overwhelmingness that I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can, if I've got the skill set, what will I say? When we talk about ministering to the needy, I mentioned this morning uh, the the great need of foster care in our community. Some of you, even if I said that, identified with the need, recognized that somebody needs to do something, but felt like, who am I? I'm just, that's way beyond me. I I can't do that. Living righteously in a wicked world. Do you know, I understand some of you have just given up. It's not that you don't think it's important It's not that you don't think it's right to live righteously in a wicked world. You just quit trying. So you you don't worry anymore about the the words that come out of your mouth. You know some of those things are not godly, but you just quit trying. There's some things that you you watch on, on, on TV that you know you ought not to watch, but you've just quit trying. You would agree with me all day long about that you need to be righteous in your life, both public and private, but you just... It just feels overwhelming. You just feel like you're overwhelmed, you're, you're undone, and so you don't even try. Or how about speaking truth to a hostile world? We're growing, the culture around us is growing more hostile to truth every single day. It makes some of you nervous, anxious, puts your stomach in knots about speaking truth to a hostile world. It is true that we have been called to do more than our abilities can do. But it is also true that God will provide everything we need. That's what I mean, it's a challenge and it's liberating all at the same time. It's a challenge to say, listen, if God has called you to it, get to it. But it's liberating to me in that being obedient in these areas is not dependent upon me, mine, and my ability. It is dependent upon God who provides. The challenge that faces the the Corinthian church was great, but God was greater. And for every need, God would be faithful to provide. Dear friends, the challenge to the church today is overwhelming, but God is greater still. He's faithful to provide, And he's faithful to keep. So Paul says in verse 8 that Jesus will confirm you to the end. The work of Christ is not only to call and to equip, the work of Christ is also to keep. From the moment of salvation to the moment of Christ's return, he will be faithful to keep and confirm you to the end. We live in a perishable world amongst perishable people things everything around us is corrupting and falling apart you cannot, whatever you buy today you can't keep new and pristine forever but the Bible declares that's not true with your salvation your salvation, listen to me carefully your salvation does not grow stale if you know Jesus today Your salvation will not grow stale. Is he not? New every morning. Salvation of Jesus in your life will not lose power. Do you know how many things around this church require batteries? We buy batteries by the caseload around here. And it seems like every time we pull up something, it needs more batteries and new batteries. Do I hear an amen from our musicians? Come on now. The power of Jesus never grows dull and it never depletes, it never wears out. In fact, the only thing about the power of the gospel is the more you live in it, the more you know of it, the greater you understand of his power. It doesn't grow stale. It doesn't lose its power and it does not fade away. Yes, now, I want to be careful here, but I, I do need to press this. If you think you've lost your salvation, you never had salvation. Because if you've been transformed, if you've been called out and sanctified and transformed by the power of the living God, Jesus keeps all those who are his. He keeps all those who are his until the day he returns. The power of salvation does not grow stale. It does not lose its power, and it will not, and it does not fade away. Now, I've lost interest in a lot of things in my life, of temporary value, of fleeting value. But dear friends, if you've gotten a hold of Jesus, that does not fade away. By the faithfulness and power of Christ, our salvation is kept confirmed to the last day. Now, be careful to understand that keeping, that power, that sustaining is not flowing this way. It is flowing that way. Jesus keeps us. One other thing, and that is that he is faithful to fulfill. God is faithful to fulfill every promise through Jesus. So Paul was was going to confront the church with issues of their sin, but he wanted them to know that they were not alone in their work. God was working. God was working through Jesus. God was working in the church through Jesus. And God will always, always, always complete his work. God will always, always, always accomplish his will. God will always, always, always fulfill his promises. This was true for the church at Corinth, and this is still true for the church today. In the last three years, some things have happened in the church that I would have thought would have never happened. We shut down this church in 2020. I could have, you to ask asked me In 2019, 2018, hey, would you ever not have services? I would have said, you have got to be crazy. We did it. I heard a report that um, this week that uh, amongst Southern Baptist churches, all Southern Baptist churches, 100% of Southern Baptist churches are back meeting. But at the same time, our attendance is well, well off. About a third. In general, about a third of the attendance pre-COVID is lost versus post-COVID. Now, if you are a light, casual observer of history, you know that nations rise, nations fall. You know that societies grow in prominence and societies dwindle away. You know that political parties have moments where they go up and down, all that kind of stuff, always, always going up and down. And the reality of it is, when you speak about the church, If you're speaking about it as an individual, local congregation, Central Baptist Church, there is no guarantee, there is no guarantee, dear friends, that Central Baptist Church, this building, this gathering, gathering of saints, will last until the second coming of Jesus. That's an honest word, isn't it? But I can guarantee you this, when Jesus comes back, the church will remain. Not because of our tenacity, not because of our ingenuity, but because of the faithfulness of God, that he will preserve the gospel, and that he will preserve the church until he returns. My own testimony includes growing up in church. In fact, I was was speaking to somebody the other day that was a... um, they were like me, they were, they were born and raised in the church, and, and, and I identified with them on the, the, this phrase. I said, oh, you and I were both on the cradle roll. Now, you have to be a certain age, and you have to be from a certain culture to understand what cradle roll is. That's back when they would enroll you in Sunday school before you were even born. Amen? My Sunday school attendance predates my birthday. So, I literally have been in church even before I was born i grew up in the context of cultural christianity where to be important and to be significant in the community included being a member of the local church even into the early days of my pastor so mm, 20 plus years ago those things were still true i pastored a first baptist church uh, early in my pastoral ministry and in the in the early days of that ministry when it was election season my attendance would rise of those who were uh, vying for office, running for office. Well, they'd be faithful in attendance for about four weeks there, and then I wouldn't see them again until they had to run again. But even as that's the way my life began, and even that's the way my ministry began, over these last 20 years and these last 40-plus years, I have witnessed the collapse of cultural Christianity. It is no longer true that election season brings an uptick in in church attendance, because it no longer matters to the cultural around us whether or not you are a member of a church. In fact, it may even hurt you in the electric today if you're a member of a church. The 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 tenacity to be faithful to church membership, like the old days of um, cradle roll, Sunday school classes, and those sort of things, just not there. The reality of it is, friends that many of you are struggling to be here twice a month, much less being here every Sunday with, your, with, with babies not even born yet on the Sunday school roll. I've watched the church and its influence in the community decline. I knew a day once when a pastor of a community could go into a public setting and his words had weight and authority, and today they hold none. I've watched the rise of parachurch movements like Promise Keepers grow and then fade. In my own personal life, there have been moments of great frustration and disillusion with the shortcomings of the church. I remember in college days, you know, when you're you're a college student and you're sort of green behind the ears, you you can identify all the problems with everybody. You just don't have any solutions, amen? Some of you have been there. You knew all the problems with the church. If they would just do this and that, then everything would be fixed. I've gone through those days. I've known some who love the Lord but have been beat up and wearied by dysfunctional churches and find it hard today to connect with the fellowship. You know, with all of that, with all of that, you might say, what's the value of church? Friends, this past week when I was in that meeting and I heard those folks stand up and say, I'm a member of such and such church and we we celebrate and honor homosexuality, and um, it was not something that I did not know, it's just the first time I heard it said out loud, and it broke my heart. And you might say, in a context like that, with the witness of the church so, that listen, I wonder, you know, you're sitting in that room and, and there were lots of people in that room who didn't know Jesus, and here you've got some folks standing up going, this is what the Bible says, and you've got other folks going, we're a member of a church, we love Jesus, and we think this is just fine, do whatever you want to do. What is the witness of the church in that context? And you might say, with all that confusion, with all that mess, What is the value of the church? And here's what I come back to over and over and over again. Christ loves the church. Because the church is the body of those who have been called according to His grace, as saints, and are being sanctified for the testimony of Christ. Christ loves the church. The church is the bride of Christ. Christ has called us. Christ has poured out his blessings of grace upon us and it is the testimony of God and his faithfulness of the church. It is, remains today in demonstrating to the world the glory of God. So like Paul writing to the Corinthian church, let the church today... Rise to her calling and her giftedness. Let us say, dear friends, we are not able, but the God that we serve is. Let the church rise to her calling and her giftedness. Let let, let those who love Jesus love His church. And let God be glorified through our witness not according to what you have done or accomplished, but let the witness of God in you be. God has done great things through you. God is doing great things through you. That His power, that His blessing, that His faithfulness is being testified through you. Be encouraged today, church. God is still on His throne. He's still calling out saints. He's still equipping saints, and He will be faithful to fulfill His promise to the very, very For more sermons, blog posts, and other related content, go to bensmithsr.org. That's bensmithsr.org. I would love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 201 Ava Street here in Waycross. Our morning services begin at 10.30 a.m. For more information about Central Baptist, go to cbcwaycross.org. Again, thank you for listening, and until the Lord returns... Let us live each moment, all for the king and all for the kingdom.